for those of you who uh, might be new this morning. My name is Ron Cole, and I am one of the pastors here at Hillside as well. What I want to think about with you this morning on this holiday weekend is one of the most powerful forces in our lives. I want to think about memories, about those events, those days, those moments, those things that, that, that stick with us, that in some ways end up defining us. Memories are amazingly powerful things, some good, some bad. There are some that we'd like to just completely forget, but there are others that we want to replay over and over and over again. It's a holiday weekend, as we've said already. It's Memorial Day weekend, and part of what we do on this weekend is we remember. Uh, Some of us this weekend will go to gravesites, and we will remember loved ones who have passed away. Some of us will go to parades, and we will remember those who have given their lives in service to their country. Many of us will get together, and, and part of what we do when we get together with family friends is, is we will remember, we'll, we'll call to mind those stories. In fact, I, I think it'd be interesting, I want to challenge you, if you have a get-together with your family or friends tomorrow, just, just see how many sentences begin with these words. Do you remember? <laughs> do you remember the, the Memorial Day when, when the potato salad sat out too long and half of us got sick later that week? Oh, do you remember that? Oh, do you remember, do you remember when, when uh, Aunt Sue got so mad at Uncle Sam when we were playing miniature golf? Remember, and she picked up her ball, bing, right in the head. Remember that one? Oh, man, that was great. Do you remember, do you remember that time when, when, when Uncle Bill brought that girl over? I can't even remember her name. But little Julie was so cute sitting on her lap, and then she threw up all over, and we, we never saw her again. But, right, I mean, you're going to hear that over and over and over again. Stories that that remind us, stories that, like I say, define us, stories that give us a place. But it's not just stories. Sometimes it's it's our ears that that hear things in a different way. I mean, for some of us, we hear a certain song. We hear a certain song on the radio, and we're back in high school cranking that eight-track tape player, you know, and we are just kind of going to town, and, and it's so powerful. For some of us, we sing an older hymn, and all of a sudden we're back to being 10 years old in the church we grew up in. Or maybe we're at a funeral of grandpa or grandma. And that song, it doesn't just kind of remind us of that. It's not just kind of something that we say, oh yeah, I remember that event. We go back to that place. We go back to that place. I had somebody recently tell me that that actually the most powerful trigger of memories is not our ears and it's not our eyes, but it's our noses. It's our noses. It smells have that amazing ability. For me, I know, when, when I go someplace and I smell, smell cinnamon rolls, I'm back in Holland, Michigan at Grandma Cool's house. And I can just picture going up those steps and being in her kitchen, which was right there. And she made the best cinnamon rolls. They were so awesome. Tammy's got a roast in the oven. And I'll tell you, when I get home, you know what? I'm going to be back in Byron Center. And mom's got that roast. And I smell that smell, and it brings me back to that place. We, we, we hear those things. We smell those things. And we, we see things, right? I still have it. Tammy's dad passed away more than 25 years ago. But when I see a bald head with the right kind of hat on it, there he is. That's him. And I picture him standing in the driveway sneaking a smoke because he couldn't do that. And so he'd go out in the garage. Everybody knew what he was doing. But I'll tell you, it's amazing. I mean, I see that bald head like that. I see that hat that he wore, and it's just like, oh, there he is again. There he is again. Memories are amazing. They are powerful forces in our lives. They, they have the ability to take us places. They have the ability to give us roots. They have the ability to give us strength. Memories are powerful forces in our lives, but they are absolutely essential for God's people. Memories are absolutely essential for God's people. Time and time again, the scriptures call us to be people who remember, call us to be people who remember what God has done. When facing temptation, we are called to remember. 
And this morning in particular, I want to say, when facing really difficult situations, when we are in really difficult situations, one of the most powerful tools we have is to remember is to remember. We see this in, in Psalm 42 and 43, all right? Psalm 42 and 43, that's the passage I want to look at with you this morning. A couple of things I want to say just kind of by way of introduction. First of all, to say this was probably originally one psalm. Uh, somehow over the course of time it got divided into 42 and 43, and so we kind of look at it and it looks like two psalms, but if you read through the whole thing, you'll see that the, the chorus that's in Psalm 42 is there in Psalm 43 as well. And so probably somewhere along the line, I, I don't know if they came to the end of the scroll or if whatever it was, but for some reason they got separated, but we really kind of have to treat these two psalms together. It was written by one of the sons of Korah. We're told that at the very top of that, that little subscription there. Uh, It's written by one of the sons of Korah. What does that mean? Who were the sons of Korah? They were people who were temple workers, worship leaders, priests. They were ones who were were there in the temple, and so they spent most of their time in in Jerusalem. For for the time, that was the place to be. That was, in a sense, Mecca. That was Jerusalem. That was the the golden city. And and, and so if you were a son of Korah, you wanted to be in Jerusalem. You wanted to to lead worship. You wanted to lead as a priest people into God's presence. You wanted to do all of that. And so that's who's writing this psalm. It's somebody who has led worship. It's somebody who has brought God's people into God's presence. Somebody who has spent probably most of his life in the city of Jerusalem or in one of the cities nearby and then going up and, and, and spending time in Jerusalem. That's not where the psalmist is when he writes this. This is a psalm that was written in a time of great struggle. He's away from the temple, and, and he's actually up in northern Israel. i got a map here just to kind of show you what, what's going on here. Down here at the bottom in, in central Israel is really Jerusalem, all right, near the Salt Sea there, there the Dead Sea there. You see that? That's where the, the psalmist probably was most of his life. That's where he wanted to be. That's where God's people met with God. In, in, in a sense, in the Old Testament, again, we remember that, that God had an address. God had a, a place, and it was, not, uh, it was one specific place. He, we talked today about he lives in us, but it, it, at those days we said, you know what, God God lives in the temple. That's where his presence was. That's where his holiness was. And the psalmist is way up there north. All right, he's way up there north of the Sea of Galilee there, uh, called the Sea of uh, Chinnereth, rather, but, but that's the Sea of Galilee. And the psalmist is someplace up north. A- and all he can do is remember. All he can do is think back to those days. Psalm 42, verse 4, he says this, These things I remember as I pour out my soul, as he's struggling, as he's pouring out his soul. He says, This is what I remember, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throngs. He remembers those days when, when it was so easy to believe, when the sun was shining and, and, and he was experiencing God's blessing. And, and I think he was probably a fairly popular priest worship leader. I think he was there leading God's people into God's presence and so on but now he's away now he's in northern Israel now he's struggling and God seems a long ways away he is indeed struggling he's he's pouring out his heart to God verse 3 if we go back from 4 to verse 3 he says my tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long where is your God he doesn't ever tell us exactly why he's away from Jerusalem it's possible, that, uh, it's possible that he committed some moral failure. I, I don't think that's likely, but, it, but it's possible. And maybe he got kind of uh, sent away because of that. It's possible he had a disease. In those days, the best way to handle a contagious disease was to just quarantine people. And so maybe he had some sort of a disease. Again, that's possible. I, I don't think reading the rest of the psalm that that's likely. What I think it probably was really more is that, is that he had stepped on some toes. 
that he had uh, made the wrong priest angry. Maybe he made the high priest angry, and I think he's sort of in exile out there. He had, he had been popular, and he had been leading, and, and, and so on, but somewhere along the line, he didn't toe the party line. Somewhere along the line, he spoke out when he shouldn't have spoken out, and, and he gets sent up into, into this area. He gets sent, in a sense, into exile, into this place where, where he cannot have the influence. If we jump to 43.1, it says, Vindicate me, my God. And plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. That's where I get that idea that I think what he's talking about, and he's not saying all of Israel is unfaithful, but, but he's saying against those who have been just unfair to me. God, I've tried to be faithful to you. I've tried to be faithful to you, but it feels like my life is falling apart. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. This guy is going through it. He is, he is struggling. He's probably not physically well. He's, he, he's, he's crying. He's alone. He's got other people who are making fun of him. It, it is so difficult, and it doesn't stop. It so often happens in those times when it rains, it pours, right? I mean, it just feels like things are happening, and they're coming over him again and again and again. Look at verse 7 of 42. He says, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. This noise, the pain, the the overwhelming sense of this. All of your waves and breakers have swept over me. Again, if he's up in that northern area, it could be that he's thinking of of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. You could get some pretty big storms there, but but I'm not sure that's it. I, I think it might have been in what is called a, a wadi, in, in a place where the waters would run. I mean, Israel is often a, a desert land, and, and it, w- it was fascinating, having been there just a, about six, eight weeks ago now. But, but to be in a place and, and, and to see so much dryness and so much desert, but then they'll have just these little areas where the water can come cascading down. And, and, and wash things away. We had an opportunity. I wanted to show you some pictures. Uh, these aren't mine. I didn't have a waterproof camera. But to go up, something called Wadi Mujib. This is actually in the country of Jordan. And uh, this is right near the beginning of it. It's got the, the River Arnon coming down. And, you know, we started off this walk, and it was just gorgeous, right? I mean, we're walking through the water, and the, the water's coming down. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, oh, this is, this is cool and fun. We went a little further up, and it started to get a little more difficult, and, and, and it got a little tighter, and the water started to come a little bit more. We came to some places where, uh, I mean, trying to climb up this, and, and, and I'll tell you, one of the cool things about being in the Middle East is they don't have, like, OSHA or whatever, so you don't have to, you get to do whatever. Um, people broke their legs the day before we were here, but it was cool, right? And, 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 and then the, the, the last place where we kind of climbed up even further was this. This is not uh, me, but um, it could have been. But, but, I mean, you know, we were at this place, and, and the water was just, and we were helping each other, and, and, and it's just pounding, and it's huge, and it's overwhelming, and it's coming down again and again and again. And, and if you lose your fit, footing, and, and you can just kind of slide, and you fall, and, and the water is swirling around, I think that's kind of what the psalmist is talking about. Being caught in a place like that, being caught in the water is just pounding, it's pummeling, it's coming over, and he says, that's what life feels like. I try to just stop and get a break, but something else happens. God, I, I try to do this. Maybe he lost his home. Maybe that's why I say maybe he was also sick. But he, he had lost his place in Jerusalem. He had lost all of these things. And that's why he said, you know, deep says deep calls to deep. In the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have, have swept over me. And he's just feeling like everything is falling apart. And, and again, many of us have been in that place. Many of us have been in those places where it just feels like, you know, everything is overwhelming and, and it's just too much. I mean, there's struggles at work and we're afraid of losing our job and the water heater goes out. One of our parents needs a hip replacement and, and, and our kids are having struggles at school and, and, and the bills are coming and it just feels like we are being 
overwhelmed. That's where the psalmist is. He's struggling and it doesn't stop. To make matters worse, God is silent. God doesn't even seem to be there. This one who had led worship, this one who was so sure of God's presence, this one who, who had just preached and taught and, and, and who had led people into God's presence. He says this, now I say to God, my rock, verses 9 and 10 of 42, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony. That's maybe that illness thing. As my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? That's why I say again, I I picture this guy having really tried to live a faithful life, having tried to honor God with his life, having tried to do what God had called him to do. And now these people are around saying, look how your life turned out. You thought you were so great. You thought you were so wonderful. I got to tell you, we sometimes do this to each other. Even in ministerial circles. For all of us, uh, we weep with others weep, but we also take a little bit of joy in it, right? And when a minister has a hard time in a church, it's kind of easy to say, well, you know, he had it coming. And I, I, I could see that coming because, you know, he just didn't do this right, didn't do that right. And we kind of just push. And the psalmist is saying, God, what's going on? God, I genuinely was trying to follow you. Why have you forgotten me? We jump up to 43, verse 2. It's, it's stronger than forgotten. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? It's not just that God forgot him. At this point, God rejects him. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? God is silent. And more than anything else, what this psalmist wants, more than anything else, what this psalmist wants is he wants God. God, I just need to know you're here. I just need to experience your presence. God, I just need to remember what that was like. I just need to know that you are here with me, that you're holding on to me, that you're never going to let me go. That's why he does those words that many of us are familiar with. Psalm 42, 1 and 2. As the deer, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Where can I go? When can I go and meet with God? the deer pants for streams of water it's a hard image for us to get a hold of (laughs) it's a hard image for us to get a hold of because when we think of a deer this is what we think of right we live in michigan and when we think of a deer it's this beautiful white tail and it's living out in the forest and it's bouncing along deer are cute deer is bambi deer are wonderful that's not where they were in the middle east that's not where they were in the psalmist day even this deer looks way too healthy But this deer is what the psalmist is talking about. Not nose up, but nose down. Not looking proud, but on its last legs. Just looking, smelling, listening for any sound of water. Like I said, it's, it's amazing to be in, in Israel and in, in Jordan and those places, and there's these huge tracts of desert land. There are places there that get oftentimes go years without any rain. And, and, and there's just nothing there. The trees go dormant. And, and, and what you do is you can find just the right places. And the psalmist says, I'm like a deer. They just can't find one of those places. Every place I've gone where I've found water before, it's not there anymore. Every place I've gone, God, to find your presence, when I've gone to church, when I've gone to my devotions, when I've gone to my favorite worship CD, when I've gone to all those places, it's dry, God. 
you got to understand, he says, I'm like a deer. God, I'm on my last legs. The jackals are circling, circling around me. God, I am in big trouble as the deer pants for streams of water. In the middle of the desert, so my soul pants for you. The psalmist is desperate. And God doesn't seem to be listening. The question we need to think about is, what do we do? When we find ourselves in those places, when we find ourselves feeling like we're going through a difficult time, and, and again, I think, again, for this psalmist, it's not the case where he says, well, it's because I've sinned and I've, I've left. I don't, I don't think he did any big sins. I think the life has just kind of cascaded over him. He's just kind of had all this stuff going on, and it's getting overwhelming. And he's saying, God, I don't think I've moved. I don't think it's me who's left you, God, but I don't feel like you're present anymore. And I am struggling. So what does he do? And, and, and for us, what do we do? What do we do when it feels like God isn't listening? What do we do when we're crying out and hungry for God? Two things that the psalmist does that I want to point us to this morning for us to do as well. The first one is, is where we started, and it's this, that we remember. We remember. That's what the psalmist does. The psalmist says, I know, God, that I can't feel you right now. I know that, that I've gone and done everything I can to come into your presence. But he says, I will choose to remember. Psalm 42, verse 6, he says, My soul is downcast within me, therefore not I will give up. Therefore, I will cry. No, therefore what? I will remember you. Therefore, I will remember you. I will choose to remember. And that's a powerful thing. Scott Jose um, talks about this passage. And, 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 and Scott says that, that, that one of the ways for us to think about this is the psalmist is saying, you know, I can't see God present today, but I'm going to choose to remember that what the psalmist is doing is something that astronomers have learned to do, Okay astronomers have learned to do this. They're the good guys, right? The astrologers are the bad guys, right? Astronomers, those who study the stars. Um, but what, what, what astronomers will tell you is, is that if they're looking for a star and they know where it's located and it's not a very bright star, what they will do is they've learned that if you don't look directly at it, it's easier to see it. Something about the way the rods and the cones in our eyes are, are, are organized, that, that if you're looking directly at it, if you're looking directly for this star, you can't see it. But if you look a little to the side, if you look a little bit to the side, then all of a sudden you'll catch it out of the corner of your eye. And you'll be able to, it'll come into focus. And it'll get clearer and clearer. And so the way to see the star is to look to the side. And, and, and Scott suggests that, that what the psalmist is doing here is he's saying, you know what, the way to see God when I can't see him is I'm going to look a little to the side. I'm going to choose to remember. I'm going to go back to those times. And God, I'm going to look for you here. And in looking here, I know I will see you there. And I think that is such a great picture of what we need to do in those times of struggle. <laughs> Say, God, I will remember. And I, I, I want you here, but I will choose to look there. And as I see you here, eh, eh, there rather, then I will be able, hopefully and prayerfully soon, to be able to have you come into focus where you are today. It's interesting, you know, the psalmist earlier had talked about, in this psalm, it talked about seeing God and remembering remembering worship, remembering Jerusalem. That's part of, of what he remembered. But, but it's fascinating to notice what he specifically says he remembers here. He says, I will remember you where? From the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Okay, again, let me kind of... Mount Hermon, we know, is way up there at the top. Okay, that is the northern part of Israel. It's, it's the place that a lot of the... It's, it's often snow-covered water flows down from it into the Jordan and into the, the Sea of Galilee. Mount Mazar is right near there as well, up near the top. The land of the Jordan, the Jordan River goes from the top, it's that blue river going all the way from the top to the, down to the Salt Sea. So it's possible he means that lower area. I don't think so. 
I think when he's talking about it, he's saying the whole thing is up there. And, and the reason I think that that's significant is, is this is not where he ever thought God would be found. And, and so what he calls to mind is not only when he was in Jerusalem and found God, but he also calls to mind when he found God up here in these areas. When, God disco- when he discovered God at Mount Hermon, when he discovered God at Mount Mizar, when he discovered God in the land of Jordan, in all of these places where he thought he was dead, in all of these places where he wasn't sure God was. And so he remembered God there as well. And so for us, I, I think there are kind of two times that we need to remember God. First of all, those good times when we knew God was there. I've shared some of those for me. I hope you have those things. For me, I, 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 I've shared it before here, but I could go back to Heritage Christian Reformed Church in Byron Center, Michigan, not that far that way, bring you to the pew I was sitting in when we sang Amazing Grace. And it just nailed me. And it was so awesome. I was in high school, and it was just so powerful. And we were singing, and I knew that God was with me. I knew God's amazing grace. I think about a time being out on South Manitou Island, on the west side of it, there's a big sand dune if you've ever been there. And watching the sun go down over Lake Michigan. And just saying, God, you are good. You are good. And, and just blessing God's name. And so we re- need to remember God in those times. We need to remember those times when, when we knew God was there and so on. But we also need to remember those tough times when we discovered that God was in that place too. I think those are important memories. Because the psalmist says, that's what I was talking about. He says, you know, in, in, from Mount Hermon, from Mount Mazor, in these places that I thought were desolate and, and desert, and the, God, I didn't think you were there. And I think we need to hold on to those memories, and, and I think we've got to grow those and grasp those and remember those things. For me, a lot of those involve you all. Because it's being with you in hospital rooms. When we were scared to death about what was going to happen after a car accident, we weren't sure if your son was going to make it through the night. And the baby was born, and the heart had a defect. And we weren't sure if the baby was going to last. And even sometimes in the face of death and loss, in homes and in hospital rooms, I look at those times. But as I look back at them, in the middle of it, it felt like God maybe wasn't there. But now I look back and I say, God, you were there. You were carrying us. You were the one who gave us strength. You were the one who was faithful. And when I hold on to those memories, when I find myself today struggling, when I find myself today saying, God, I don't feel like you're anywhere around. God, I feel like I'm all alone here. God, I, 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 as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you. When I get to there, I say, God, you know what? I remember times when I've been here before and you were right next door. You were right with me. You were holding on to me. So I remember you in the land of Hermon, from Mount Hermon, rather, from Mount Mazor and in the land of the Jordan. It's interesting, Psalm 42, verse 8 says this, By day the Lord directs his love. I think of that, saying, you know, sometimes God's light is in the bright, love is in the bright sunshine. But at night his song is with me. This is my prayer to the God of my life, the good and the tough. Those memories are essential, friends. We need to have those things, all right? And then the second thing, the second thing the psalmist does that I think we need to do is this. We need to talk to ourselves. We need to talk to ourselves. It's a good thing to do sometimes. If it gets overdone, it might get you into trouble. But, but there are times when we just talk to ourselves three times in this psalm. This is the chorus that gets repeated three times in Psalm 42, verse 5, verse 11, and 43, verse 5. The psalmist says this, Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? I I wish I knew exactly what he was thinking there because I read those words and I say, why so downcast? Your world is falling apart. That's why you're depressed. But he says, soul, 
Soul, let's hold on. Don't fall into the pit. Again, he's not denying that we get hurt. He's not denying that we experience that pain. But he's saying, don't lose it all, but put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And he tells himself that three times. It's exactly, this is the same verse in all three places. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. And I think he teaches us to talk to ourselves. And, and as I picture this, here's, here's kind of what I picture him, him doing and why he needs to talk to himself. On the one hand, you know, I, as I was working on this, I thought, yeah, we just remember, and it was going to be a one-point sermon. You ought to be home by now, but a good thing I had two, right? But, I, but you know what I mean? As I was looking at it, I thought, you know, what is he doing here? And here's what I think is happening. You see, what happens is on the one hand, he knows that God doesn't seem to be there. But on the other hand, he knows that God has always been there. And in those days, when the waters are pouring over us, that's where we are. And, and, and both of those things seem equally strong. The fact that God doesn't seem to be here, the fact that God seemed to used to be there. And, and I think what he's doing when he talks to himself is he says, choose your memories, put your hope in God. When you've got this right here, choose your memories. Don't go with your feelings of today, but go with what you know. Go with what you experienced then. Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. It's not easy to do that. C.S. Lewis, um, a wonderful Christian writer, uh, got married only towards the end of his life and um, only was married for a couple of years before his wife died of cancer, and it was devastating for him. It was just devastating for him. And Lewis wrote a journal, and it was later published as a, as a, 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 a book called A Grief Observed. And, and it's Lewis is just kind of his sharing about, about what he went through after the the death of his wife. And at one point he writes this. He says, When you are happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing God, so happy that you are tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption. (laughs) God, I'm too busy having fun to say thank you. Kids like kids at Christmas, right? Uh, It's so happy that you're tempted. You shouldn't feel that, but tempted to feel his claim upon you as an interruption. If you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. That's that psalmist saying, I remember what it was like when I came into your presence in Jerusalem, Lord. Lewis writes next, but go to him when your need is desperate. When all other help is in vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. After that, silence. And in this image, there are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once. I remember believing it was, and that seeming was as strong as this. What can this mean? See, see what Lewis is talking about there? I think that's where the psalmist is saying, God, I, I, I remember this. But this seeming like you're gone just seems just as strong. And that's where Lewis and I think the psalmist do the same thing of saying, at this point I will choose my memories and I will put my hope in God. I will say, God, I know. I know that you are holding me right now. God, I know that you will not let me go. We talk to ourselves. And we tell ourselves, choose hope. Put your hope in God doesn't change everything right away it's interesting the psalmist tells himself that but but it's interesting to notice again that that god never shows up in the psalm psalmist doesn't say i chose hope and 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 by the end of the day i was feeling really good (coughs) excuse me by the end of the day he's still talking to himself the last line of this psalm is put your hope in god for i will yet praise him not i am now praising him 
Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. The psalmist, God never shows up in this psalm to say, I am here now. But the psalmist holds on. And he holds on to hope by remembering. And, and, And that's what he invites us to do as well. That's what he challenges us to do as well. And I want to just encourage you on this holiday weekend and and as we go through our lives, friends, always remember to remember. Remember to remember and put your hope in God. It doesn't always change our feelings right away, but I I tell you, friends, you will discover as you have time and time again, as I have time and time again, that God is with us every step of the way. So remember fun times. Laugh a lot in the next couple of days. Remember those good times. Remember, you know, when people got sick or threw water at each other. (laughs) Remember those times. Remember God. Remember times when you knew God was with you. But more than that, remember that God has never, ever let you go. And he never will. Let's pray together. Father, teach us to remember. And teach us to talk to ourselves. Teach us to put our hope in you, Lord. When we find ourselves struggling and saying, this seeming is as strong as that, neither makes more sense. Help us to say that we will put our trust in you and we will never let you go because you have never let us go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you please stand for God's parting word of blessing. Once again, following our service, there will be some folks from Hillside in the prayer room to that side of the auditorium. If you'd like to talk with somebody or pray with somebody, be happy to, uh, to meet you and, and to talk with you. People of God, now as we go from this place, know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ <clears throat> goes with each and every one of us. And may we remember that God will always be there with us and for us. Go in God's grace. Amen.